one time a game. My wife and I played in an old school D&D game. 3.0 was out, but this DM was having none of that. He was running the same game he always had, a mashup of AD&D 1st and 2nd edition with a ton of Dragon Magazine articles, weird third-party supplements, and his own half-remembered house rules. It could be a ton of crazy fun. One night, he was piling on dangers, misfortunes, obstacles, and I couldn't see any way out. Nothing my ninth-level wizard could do. No spell, no magic item, or clever trick could save us. As I sat in quiet despair, I watched him toy with us. But then, I watched him ride us right back out of danger. That's when I realized I was on a train. The rails were carrying us inevitably from one fake danger to another. And there was nothing we, the players, could do to change its course. Okay, now roll for initiative. Welcome to On A Roll, the official tabletop mush LARP role-playing game podcast of the state of Idaho. (laughs) We're also the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun. We were... We were a little off that time. Yeah, I'm distracted today. It's well, that's okay. I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon. Joining me, as always, is the legend Carrie. Hello, and of course Jason, the favorite, and also the one with the most unfinished projects on his Google Drive. That is so true. You have a lot of unfinished projects. Okay, to be be fair, though, I don't use Google Drive. Your your unfinished projects are. Canvases that will be painted over later, and then when you die, and someone discovers your genius a hundred years from now, They'll do they're going to be yeah, X-rays to find the, yeah, the maybe, and then they're going to go ah, oh, these were early attempts, yeah, ooh, very early. <laughs> Speaking of Jason and his unfinished projects and drives, yeah, um, the driveway carport that I have. When are you going to finish that? Um, I tried to finish it, and you wouldn't let me come over because it was one hundred and ten degrees, and for some reason you were afraid that you would be injured by that. Wee, wee, wee. I was fine. So where can we be found? We can be found at onarollpodcast.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find all of your podcasts. We're also on Twitter at onarollpodcast. We're also on Facebook, but Jason's going to have to tell you where that is. We're on facebook.com groups onarollpodcast. There are slashes in there. You can figure that out. Uh, What's our email address? I always forget. Hosts. With an S. Two S's. two S's. They're not consecutive, but they're in there. And of course, um, you can find us on Patreon. Oh, 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 we're on patreon.com slash on a roll podcast. That's awesome. So tell me, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were recording a podcast right here at this very table. Mm-hmm. What's happened in the week since, Jason? Well, I have started running a Dungeon World game for my wife and son because, you know, I was very interested in the Powered by the Apocalypse system, and I thought the only way to really to get it is to run it. Well, there sure. you go. Yeah. The only problem is, is that it's probably been about 10 years since I've run a tabletop game. Oh. And I'm rusty, and I've got to remember how again. <laughs> It's it not is, like riding a bike. It is not like riding a bike. So you, you've been tabletopping LARP for the last 10 years. Yeah, I've definitely been tabletopping LARP for the last 10 years. And uh, so sitting down at the table again to run a game is significantly different, especially because it's a system 
that works totally different than what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, like, you know, you're supposed to do prep, but explicitly in the rule book it says, as the dungeon, as the game master in that setting, you're not allowed to do too much prep. What happens? Do you lose XP if you do too much prep? Well, obviously. No, it's meant to be very uh, interactive and creative, and it talks about how that if yep. you fill in all the blanks, then there's not really a game. So it's lots of working the table. Lots of working the table. Exactly. Which I think is appropriate for our uh, episode this week, Yeah, which is about agency, because Dungeon World is a game that's all about the players at the table and the storyteller having agency. What have you been doing, Carrie? Oh, now I'm wondering. I, I want a badge that says agency. Like every time I want to flip it out. I have agency. Damn I have it. agency. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, my my daughter turned nine. Ryan and I's daughter turned That's nine. That's right. It was a great birthday party. Yeah. So we so I've been juggling a birthday party and the coloring book, the pay, the um. The Kickstarter. That's right. The Kickstarter is live, so you can go right now mm-hmm. to Kickstarter.com and search for. Colorful Tales of Dreadful Dolls. I'm super nervous. It sounds creepy. Stop that. (laughs) You know, that's the only thing we know about the future, is that... Everyone will talk like Mickey Mouse? (laughs) Everybody will talk like that. It's it's a thing. No, I was going to say, we don't know what's happening Wednesday, except that this is live. That is true. Yeah, that's right. So that's very scary and awesome. Um, Let's see what else has been going on. One of my staffers on the mush that I run is on vacation, so... I'm all by myself. And so things have been way better or worse? No, no, no. It's just I'm trying to juggle. Well, I'm not all by myself. I'm sorry. We do have a new staffer as well. So it's... uh, Who's the new staffer? Say their name. Put them on air. Seti. S-E-T-I. Seti. 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 You know, like the search for intelligent life. Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't know. I, I... So... There was no intelligent life found here. No. Oh, gosh. No, he's been very cool, though. He's very code-centered, uh, and so, like... Oh, yeah, because you need that. Yeah, because I... and Ryan I'm know that bad. from bad experiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at... Uh, Rules and systems. Well, no, like, this is all, like... <laughs> Jason, mm. I'm just teasing. No, it, it's all, like, he's really good at all of the, like, computer coding. That right, because there's a lot of back-end stuff, yeah, even on I Mush, have... which is loosey-goosey compared to Mud, but it's still... Yeah, and, and so he's, he's been, yeah, like, he gave us a weather Ooh. a weather code, and he's he worked on the birthday code, and a bunch of things, you know, that we didn't have that you could have had, but we didn't know how to do. So, so. I have a question. Yes? A weather code, does only, can only wizards change that, or can anybody? No, only wizards. Okay. And it's random. Like, it'll develop thunderstorms and things oh, like that. Oh, interesting. I really like that sort of thing. It leads and to emergent play. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was playing in a zombie apocalypse mush one time, and it randomly gave us a tornado. And like we Whoa. all, yeah, and like even the staff was like, I didn't know it could do that. We got a tornado. And, what do we do? Yeah, but it was like it was like Sharknado, but with zombies. So like Zom-nado. there were zombies in the. Yeah, it was it was really fun actually. Somebody in the Sharknado office is listening right now, and they're like, Oh, oh Zomnado! We what? We wasted our time. No. Oh, Zomnado! Um, and then we uh, we had our werewolf. We played in our in the werewolf game yeah, this past weekend. I had. Um, I had to leave early, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah but uh, Jessica's old PC finally bit it. Right. So we'd like to tell... Was bitten it. Yeah. Um, but we'd like to tell Jessica, ha Because <laughs> she turned into a bad guy, so we she had to kill her. She did turn into a bad guy. Um, and then also she stopped playing that character. 
That's yeah, well, yeah, because she was a bad guy, and you don't play. Oh, I thought you meant Jessica. No, <laughs> no, no. Jessica's great. Um, and then the last thing I think I want to just mention is uh, we just today when we went out to dinner, we met somebody. Oh, that's right. We met this guy, Kyle Schmidt, who uh, we heard us talking about Werewolf LARP and was like, Werewolf LARP? You have to tell me everything. And like he pulled up a chair and sat down and talked with us and it was pretty awesome. Seemed seemed okay. And he said he was going to listen to the podcast, so we're calling you out, Kyle. And best of all, Kyle said that he might know a LARPer in Idaho. Or a gamer. (laughs) A gamer. gamer. So, So, hey, this is also important. Kyle, when you hear this, you have to email us at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com or we won't believe you've been listening. That's, That's right. True. Yep. Okay. So, what have you been doing, <laughs> Rye? Well, aside from my, my endless quest to find someone from Idaho to listen to this podcast, <laughs> which I'm, I'm not not been successful yet. Not I yet. The next step, I think, is going to be to start stalking Facebook groups that are called Idaho Role-Playing Game Association. <laughs> Things like that. I don't know. <laughs> While you're talking and not, li- well, I'm not listening like normal, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the the only thing really new for me that, that is outside of what Carrie's already mentioned, uh, you know, obviously the Kickstarter is a big deal. Um, and that's pretty exciting. But uh, the our other, daughter's birthday and our daughter's birthday. But uh, that happens every year, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, but the only other really kind of exciting thing is, you know, we're we're working on the gun belt and we're trying to figure out stats for critters. And I think we've figured out how that's going to work. Great, which is kind of cool. So uh, now it's a matter of kind of just fleshing that out and getting it written down and stuff. And so that's sort of sort of exciting. Soon we'll have dinosaur stats. Woo-hoo. I can't wait. I'm Dino- looking forward to playing. Dinosaurs. 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 So there you go. Um, all right. Well, before we get into combat rounds, let's take a second to talk about the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash podcast. And I think this would be a great time to welcome our new patrons. How many are there? An infinite number. Still none? Yeah, no, we don't have anybody new. You know what? That's not unusual. All the podcasts I listen to, uh, you know, you plateau out for about three episodes, and then they take off like crazy, so we're... Anybody listening, it's been three episodes. It's it's time. Your move, listeners. Your move. Your move. (laughs) We also want to mention uh, that, you know, if you pledge uh, patron level of of wizard level... Or higher. Then uh, you get a shout out on the the podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast, see? Yeah. With the dinosaurs. Uh, So let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Carrie, you want to mention... Any any famous people? I I want to mention Cameron Pruitt. Yeah. Because he's my favorite. And that's not... <laughs> and, and, well, the reason... Yeah, but there's a reason he's my favorite. Why? He, he, he sends me Pepsi. He does that send true. Pepsi. That's true. So if you guys want to be my favorite, send me more Pepsi than Cameron does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, the, the gauntlet's been dropped. Yeah, it it's has. Like, nice. Uh, uh, we've also got uh, Lost Colonies. That's a LARP, great LARP out in the D.C. area run by Joe Hines. That's true. I like talking with Joe. He's very, very fun. And um, he did he did ask if we could mention that he, too, has a has a Patreon for his LARP. Oh, so. awesome. Yeah, check that so, out. Lost Colonies. And remember, join our Patreon and then... And then join his. And then join his. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? Who else we got? Ryan Martin. Oh, yeah, Ryan Martin. He's a cool dude. Who else we got? Uh, Drew Stevens. I'm glad you mentioned Drew. Uh Uh-oh. Drew actually has inspired tonight's episode. 
That's absolutely true, isn't Uh-oh. it? Uh-oh. Drew posted a couple of days ago on his personal Facebook wall asking folks what they thought about the topic of player agency. <laughs> Drew. And so after reading all of the discussions there, we decided, well, all right, let's tackle this. So you know, I was blown away, first of all. Like, a lot of role-play discussions go off the rail pretty quickly. Right. <laughs> but it was a very good discussion. There was a lot of people who had uh, enthusiastic but not bad arguments on right. both sides. There were a few people who just like to use big words and hear themselves. But that happens in LARP conversations or in, it, in it, gaming conversations. Anyone that I'm in, it's happening. Right. Especially <laughs> this podcast. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, technically, we're professionals. We've made money doing that's this. That's true. That's true. You guys well, have made money? Well, uh, you told me you would buy. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> if, you, get... if you want a shout out, we'd love to give you one. You can get one by helping us keep this show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash honorable podcast. So, if nobody has anything else, then let's go ahead and go to combat rounds. Okay, welcome to Combat Rounds. Today's topic is player agency. Thanks a lot, Drew. Yeah, Drew. Now we've (laughs) got to talk about this. See, we've talked about doing something like this several times, but but his Facebook post really nailed the the conversation. Right. Because it had a lot of really good thoughts on both sides. And it had a lot of conversation. It was like it was like 120. That's right. Right. The the only one conversation like that I ever seen as longer was when I was OST and I posted what are we doing wrong? And that was oh. six months of posts. <laughs> and that was just, you don't do that. <laughs> thousands, <laughs> thousands of posts. Well, the first thing you did wrong was ask people what you did wrong. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. That's right. Clearly. So let's go ahead and start with a definition. And I think maybe we should start with the definition that was settled upon Andrew's thread. Carrie, read it to us. <clears throat> You've got the least annoying voice. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, that's okay. not what I've been told. <laughs> Okay. The ability to attempt any action from a set of previous agreed-upon actions, where such a set of actions may be informed by things like mechanics and genre. I think the most important word here is attempt. Right. I had to fight for that one. Well, I think that it's it's very accurate because uh, you know, in one of the one of the things that we talked about was I stabbed this super powerful godlike being. What happens? Right. Well, you know what? He kills you. Well, mm-hmm. you attempted to do it. Right. Yeah. It's you got it, to exercise your agency. Go so ahead. I, I think we should we should break this down into its pieces. Right. So the ability to attempt any action. Okay. And it's important. I think where Jason was going with this is you can attempt it. It doesn't mean you'll succeed. Right. So it's. And, and in fact, I don't even know that I would say it's, I mean, this is where I disagree a little with this, uh, this definition, the ability to attempt any action. I, I, I actually think it is the player's perception that they have the ability to attempt any action. There is a uh, show about designing video games called Extra Credits. Okay. And uh, it's hard to find really good LARP design, YouTube and Facebook groups. No, I'm on a few. Uh, but this one talked about how that agency in video games is really important too. The character people need, playing the game need to feel like that they can make meaningful choices most in most games. Uh, and one of the things it talked about was the fact that you didn't have to make every choice meaningful. You had to make every choice feel meaningful. Right. Fair. And while 
while I believe that not every decision has to be perfectly changing the narrative, every decision does need to feel that way. And the more that do affect the narrative, the better. Right. Well, you had said, you had talked about this idea, and I think you had talked about it because it was it was spoken of in that, in that YouTube was this idea that like, there's, you know, that railroading is not bad. Bad railroading is bad. That's a different podcast. That's bonus experience. They did a great episode on that. And we'll get to that discussion. You want to hold that one? I think we need to hold that until we get down to railroading because you can't talk about agency without talking about the railroad. Right. So (laughs) the truth is, if you go back to figure out where did the idea of player agency come from, right? it came from people being angry about having been railroaded. Yes, I think so. I think yeah. that it's a reaction to that. Not having player agency is being railroaded. Yes. And everybody understands railroading. Yes, because everybody's <laughs> been in a game in which they didn't have the ability to make real decisions. Right, like what you talked about in your story at the beginning of the show. Right. We played that game forever. I thought I was having a great—I was having a great time. And then one day I realized that everything I did didn't really matter because whatever happened, we were going to be in danger. And then by the end of the night, we were going to be out of danger. And it wasn't even really going to cost us anything. Now, this—I want to ask you a question about that. You had played with that guy for a long time. Yes. Okay. You know, you you talked like you had an an epiphany. Like, one night you realized, whoa, nothing I do will be different. Yes. Make a difference. Prior to that, did you ever feel like you were being railroaded? Well, or did you just feel like something's not great here, but I don't know what it is? There was a lot of other issues. Um, you know, I, I I'm still good friends with the guy, and he he runs one of those games that's fun, not good. Sure, you know what I mean. And that's okay. That's okay uh, because it's very much whatever he feels like. Right. It's it's not like a, a, he's not going to be bound to a lot of rules. Yeah. And if that's and, what his table enjoys, that's great. Good and, for them. You know what? They're he, winning. He kept a table for a long time, and I played in it even after I realized I had no agency. Right. Because I got to experience my character's reactions to those situations, and I got to experience role playing within the group. Right. So even though every story was on the rails, what we experienced was not. Then going back to that to the first question about this then, you said there was a night where you realized you'd been railroaded. Yes. Prior to that though, did you feel like you didn't have agency? Well no, I, I didn't feel like that. But to be fair, I was relatively inexperienced at the time. Right. Um so, so I know I know what you're trying to ask because it's part of your thesis that agency <laughs> is less important than feeling like you have agency. Right. If you had the if your perception was that you were not being railroaded because you didn't notice, you didn't feel like you were being railroaded. But and so you felt like you had agency. My argument is this. If you don't have it, it will not last. That bubble will burst. Absolutely. So but no matter how good the person is at giving you that perception... Eventually you'll have that epiphonic moment where you go, Oh, oh wait, I, nothing I did matter to. But up until that moment, though, yeah, the perception true. of agency existed. It did. The slight adjustment, I imagine, is it's the perception that a player has the ability to attempt any action. Okay, now the second section. From a set of previously agreed upon actions, and and that's kind of quantified with where that set of actions is informed by things like mechanics and genre. Right. And so the idea there is trolls can't fly. You do not have the ability to attempt to have your troll fly. Because we've agreed that in this trolls genre, fly. trolls don't fly. Mm-hmm. When I wrote, wrote an article a little while ago on agency, I was kind of trying to work out my feelings on it. And one of the things that I realized that I didn't state perfectly there 
is is kind of this idea that even if you're in a game in which the storyteller is trying to give you as much agency as possible, that agency is still bounded because you've agreed upon certain things. We're going to use these rules. Right. We've agreed that we're playing Star Trek, and in Star Trek, the ships do not go into hyperspace. That's right. Star Wars. We do a different thing. Right. Uh, and we've agreed to use a system that rolls die sixes and counts those successes. So I'm going to roll die sixes. I'm going to count those successes. And that tells me if my action succeeded or failed. Right. And so I've given some agency to these dice. I've given some agency to the setting. I've given some agency to the system. But I've also given up agency because you said, hey, we're running a Star Trek game and we're all going to play members of the... Uh, Federation. The Federation. So I'm going to play a member of the Federation because you've said that's what we're playing. Right. And if I don't want to play that, then I don't play in that game. Right. And, of course, a lot of this comes back to communication. Like, you had agency because you decided. Right. Or because you perceived that you had. (laughs) I perceived that I decided to play this game, but I didn't. Just kind of showed up (laughs) randomly. But perception can also be reality. Perception is very important. They say that at work all the time because, like, it's not enough to to do a good job, but it has to be obvious that you did a good job. Yep. Like, like I can build the best scaffold in the world, but if I've left a mess under it, it does not look like I've built the best scaffold in the world. It looks like I built a huge mess. Right. (laughs) So, um... I'd like to add one little thing here, and we talk about it at the bottom, but I think it's important to get out in front. That, And we talked about this in the community episode. The other thing that you sh- your agency should be bound by is the comfort and safety of the table. Fair. Yeah. Whether it's on your mush, your LARP, or your tabletop game, or anything in between. Right. The safety of your table, it should be the very first thing you use to bound your playing. I believe that the only way for your the community of friends that you have sitting around the table, the only way for them to win is to have fun. Right. It's the whole premise of our podcast here. It's like and, a tagline. It's right? like a tagline. And if if and, and I believe that the players at my table, their agency ends when they start doing things that ruins the game for the whole table. Yes. <laughs> and I think that if you feel like that your character has to take actions that are going to ruin things for everybody else, you need to have a discussion with the table and your storyteller yeah. about... Why am I going to do this? To use a very, very, very extreme sort of example to just quickly convey what we're saying here is if we're running a tabletop game right now, I'm the the storyteller or the dungeon master, Jason and Carrie are playing, right? Jason's player player agency comes to a complete and utter halt the moment he says, I have my character wait till Carrie's character falls asleep and then do inappropriate things to her character. Absolutely. Yeah. Your agency's over, bud. <laughs> For that matter, your time at my table's probably over. Absolutely. Uh, but um, but but that's just kind of an extreme example of what we mean by, like, player agency often also ends at the safety and comfort of everyone else in your gaming community. Right. And we'll talk more about that at the end, but I think that's something we have to get out immediately because it's also one of the themes of our podcast is it's not fun to... To, to be unsafe. <laughs> to be unsafe. It's not fun. Right. It's not fun to, to experience it. And, and at the end of the day, it's not really fun to do it. It might feel well, empowering at the time. Yeah, and if you think it's fun, you need a new hobby. Yeah, don't, don't play with us. Right. That's right. Yeah. Let's start breaking it down. I think one of the most important things is the number one thing you have listed here. Player versus character agency. So character agency versus player agency. Yes. Or player agency versus character agency. Both the same, aye, yes. Aye, aye. Or agency versus agency. Agency versus agency. Well, you know, something that you like to say is that agency isn't real. But what I'll argue is that character agency isn't really real. I think we can certainly agree with that. Characters don't actually have agency. And 
And while we may talk about our character as if they do have agency, at the end of the day, I'm, nope. I'm driving the boat. I'm, I'm the one in this ship that is my character, and I'm the captain. And if this ship wants to go somewhere, and I, then it's not – it's just – it doesn't matter. I get to decide. Yes. My number one most annoying thing to happen at a game is for someone to say – I'm just playing my character. Uh, I didn't even have to say it. Everybody should know that. That's, if you say those words. If you're that player. You're that player. Uh, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. Now see, what what Carrie just said is her actually saying, my character's agency is more important than anybody else's agency at this table. My character's agency matters more than your player agency. And a right. lot of times when people say, I'm just playing my character... That falls into the safety agency. Absolutely. Typically, yeah. 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 If you say that, you're usually being a douche. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean something that's totally unnecessary? That's right. Because <laughs> character agency is this idea that the character play, is kind of playing itself. Like, well, I'm just playing my character. Well, But you're not. Your character's just being played by you. And mm-hmm. you need to remember that. If what you're going to have, if what your character normally would do in a situation is going to be disruptive to the game or or make it not fun for everyone or make someone feel unsafe, then you need to stop for a second and just decide, you know what? My character's not going to do this thing because some little thing in my history happened 10 years ago that I'm writing right now mm-hmm. that will give me an excuse to not have to do this thing. This, do you remember way back when we were running the first uh, incarnation of our werewolf game? And we had... Back in the early 60s. Oh, back in the day. I mean. <laughs> um, and we had a mountain turn into a volcano. Yes. Like, And we had a player who, for whatever reason, said, well, my character would try to get to the top of the volcano. Okay. And we said, you know, like, the, you're taking up our time for something that's going to get you killed. Right. Because it's a volcano. Just because you're a werewolf does not mean you could survive a volcano. Fair. And... He actually made us run it, and like through every single fire damage, job. until you killed him. Until and, he and then, dead. and then he went, "Oh, I'm dead." Like, well, what did you did you not notice when you're taking all that and, fire and we, damage? We kept, and it was just very frustrating because he actually, you know, well, I just did it because my character would have done that. But that doesn't mean you get to succeed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, Ooh. You got to try. That's agency. Perhaps we shouldn't have run it for you, but you also shouldn't complain. But, but it was character agency, not player agency, because what he also did was he, he kept the storytellers occupied when we could have been running stuff for players. For, yeah. for a large group of players. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a good side to this too. That sometimes my character would do things that are boring. Or uh, not fun for me to do. Right. Or wouldn't join in a scene. Or would not join in a yeah. scene that looks like a lot of fun. So what I have to do is say, huh, you know what? My character would do this because of X. Yeah. Now, you don't have to do that every time. But a lot of times it's great to make an excuse. Right. I I run into character agency the most in mushes. Right. Like, because... Because people just tend to really get in that mindset of whatever character they're playing. More so than LARP, even though, like, in a LARP, you're physically acting out and dressed as a character. I think it's because you're, uh, you've got this, 
You know, a thing that they talk about in Nordic LARPs is the magic circle. Like, you've entered this area. I'm this person while I'm in this area. Yeah. And it can be a physical or it can be a mental space that you enter. When you sit down at your computer, it's it draws you in because you're having to focus on everything that everybody's typing. And you're having to think in a certain way because you don't you have to write commands in a certain way to make them work? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, yeah. anyway. But prose is an intensely personal. Yes. Yeah. And you've got time to think about each thing your character and does. And emotions, and they, right. they roll around in them. And the game and, is set up for that sort of thing. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, we, we encourage you to, to, to you know, be your get character. into, not be the character, but you know to get I mean. into the character. And, like, every once in a while, I'll get a page like, my character is depressed, I don't know what to do. How do well, I get up? You make him not depressed anymore. I was like, anymore. I was like, let's talk us through. Let's have something good happen to him. Yeah, but nothing good is happening right now. Then let's make something good happen because right. guess what? We can do we that. We can do that. And here's the thing: is maybe if you, as the player, can't figure a way around your character's agency, talk to your storyteller or yeah. your DM, mm-hmm. or, or even another character. Be like, or player, be like, hey. You know what? I've been having a lot of trouble. I would love to do a fun scene with somebody. Yeah, help me. Or I would really like to be a part of this scene, but my character would never go. Would you mind having your character come over and just kind of pester me until I join you? Mm-hmm. Right? That's and okay. I've done that. I, I have to do that with my Ratkin once in, some, from time to time. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? That's It violates character agency completely to do that. Right. Because that character wouldn't necessarily ask and you wouldn't necessarily go. But player agency being more important and everybody having a good time. At yep. a, or I won't even say a good time. Everybody having an enjoyable experience, whatever that means for them, is more important. I would even go so far the as community. to say that I think character agency doesn't matter. I will agree with you largely, but I will say you'll have a better time the, the more time you can spend in your character's head. I think so too. I but agree. you also have to strictly bound that. Uh, Carrie said, you know, I keep saying bound is because Carrie said that like three years ago when we were talking about uh, agency or something like that on the UT out of character board. And Carrie just like, everything I play is surrounded like, like by a fence or by a, a like there's, there's, there's a boundaries. Limit. There's a, yeah, you said yeah. I, I have agency within a boundary and I don't leave that boundary because I don't want to. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that boundary is created by what you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's created by the genre. Yes. yes. And sometimes it's created by your desire to make sure that everybody is having a good time and not just you. So the community. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that rolls us into the next section really well. Agency is bounded. And one of the ways we bind it is rules and setting. Right. We've agreed to a set of rules because that's you deciding to play the game. Some people on Drew's thread were a little confused by or or were not real clear on what it meant to be bound, for example, by the rules, by the mechanics. Right. Can you give us an example of that? Let's. Okay. Um, D&D combat rolls. You roll a D20, you add a bonus to it, and you either roll over their AC or you roll under it. If you roll over it, you hit and you do a, a certain amount of damage. If you roll under it, you missed and that's it. Now, the storyteller can certainly, or Dungeon Master can narrate that however they want. But by the book, the rules say you hit and you did X amount of damage, or you missed and you did no damage and nothing happens. And that's it. That's being bound by the rules. If our definition is the perception that you have the ability to attempt any action. Well, I I can roll the attack roll. Right. So you have the ability to attempt it. Yes. So I guess take it back a step further. What is a mechanic that doesn't allow you to have the attempt? 
Oh, interesting. Like, uh, well, I think I think your uh, example literally of can goblins fly? No, they can't. They physically do not have. If there's an ability the flight in your game, right? And, and if, they don't have and it, and they that's don't it. have it. They by the rules, they can't do it. I right. think that's a perfect example because you they know, can't even make the attempt to do it. I mean, you know, what I would do as a, as a, a game master if someone was insisting they were playing a goblin and they were going to fly, I'm like, great, jump off a cliff. Did you fall? You, know, <laughs> you, fall. Like, you may attempt to roll jumping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like I don't mind letting people do things that. You know, I will let anyone walk up a volcano if they really want to. I got to jump off this cliff because it's what my character it's would what do. It's what my character would do. He can fly. Sometimes you wanting to do things that are outside the rules are a great character motivation, but as a player, you have to make sure that it remains fun. For me, anyway, as long as I go, if you walk up a, a volcano that's spewing lava, you're going to die. I will let you do this, yeah. but no, you're going to die. Like, I... I try to balance player agency with the setting with storyteller agency. Sure, absolutely. What what happens when mechanics and setting become at odds when it comes to player agency? Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? So a great example of this, it, one of the things they talked about on Drew's thread was this idea of, like, Karsh. He is this super powerful elder like, Methuselah or whatever super vampire. Super godlike powerful combat character. His attack... Yeah, his his attack role is my sword is drawn and armies fall. Right, it's purely lift, narrative. Right, <laughs> it literally his his character sheet just says he lifts his sword and armies fall. Okay, so I attempt to charge at him with my armies. You die. Your <laughs> armies. He fall. lifts his sword. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what? How do you how do you address this? You know, in in uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's this idea that that they used to, and I don't know if it's the case in Fifth Ed. I'm not as familiar with right. Fifth Edition, but it used to be that if you had a high enough level character, you could kill a god. That's right, and you know, then, then that entire, all of their followers or whatever are kind of screwed because you <laughs> killed their god, Oops. right? But you know, and traditionally, you would just assume, right, that you shouldn't be able to kill a god. Well, it's almost, but you know, surprise. a lot of that's according to the game. You right. know what I mean? Well, so, but, but my I question think that, is, is... Well, I think that falls into, does the god have stats? Right, because if you can kill it, it has stats. I mean, yeah. if it has real stats, if the stats are, I lift a sword and it kills an army, that's its right. stat. But is that a is that maybe a failure from the Dungeons & Dragons game at that time to, like, stat them? I, I don't know. Ooh. It's according to what kind of game I want to run. I mean, like, uh, Scion is a game about playing demigods and gods that can kill each other. So, right. obviously you know, that. And 20th level D&D characters are basically demigods. Yeah. I mean, almost well, explicitly. And, and I also think, and I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but I also think that a tabletop game is very different. Like, in a tabletop game, you're playing the only heroes. If you have to go Based, kill a yeah. god, okay. When you're you're talking, the people on the thread, though, we're more talking about a LARP. Where there's a bunch of games connected. Where you've got 120 people. Well, they can't all go kill Karsh. That's right. So none of them should get to kill. You know what I mean? I know that's sure. a little well, blankety, John, but... John Wick... He does uh, some talks where he... he well, well, he kind of knows what he's talking he about. He discusses this idea that... Um, he should have a podcast. Right? He discusses He should this, be on this podcast. He should, John Wick, if you somehow listen to this, please be on this podcast. <laughs> but Ryan's got something important to say that you've said before. He discusses this idea that you don't put it in your game if you don't want people to, to, mm-hmm. to, to have it. 
You right. know, so you don't give your gods stats if you don't intend for people to, to kill them. Right, and I think that's. You can argue that that the designers at the time of Dungeons and Dragons made a mistake, unless it was their intention, right, for you to be able and to maybe kill it was. them. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, something and, they talked about on uh, this this other podcast, <laughs> bonus experience, was <laughs> that anytime you want your characters not to be able to take an action, you don't give it as an option. Like you don't ever say there's three doors. One looks evil. The other one looks good. If you want them to take the good door. Well, wait. What's the third door look like? Oh, it looks like it. Neutral. I don't know. Anyway, I should have said two doors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the point. The point is, though, like there, don't create a choice if it's, if there, if you don't desire them to have a choice. Right. Because when you create that choice, and then there's a wrong, bad choice that's not just a different choice, then you've really not given them agency. You've given them a fake form, and they usually will perceive it. So it's better to just not give it to them at all. Right. In that moment, put if you're like... Put the choices elsewhere. Right, put the choices elsewhere. If you need them to go through this door for the story to work, for whatever reason, you just don't... Give them two, other options. You don't put two doors there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, most of the time you want your your players to be able to make decisions. But if there's a situation where it just doesn't work, which is usually a tabletop thing, then just don't give it to them and they won't notice. Right. Okay, so uh, let's talk about more about the limits of setting. What's another setting that has hard limits that... You can run up against. I think a great example of of setting limits are like this comparison of Star Wars and Star Trek. Yes, you know because those two they are both sci fi. They both take place on on spaceships. They both right. you know do have all. But these there's things. some things you absolutely can't do in one, and you totally can do in the other, and vice versa. Right. right. And the, the obvious thing to go with would be the Force, but I would argue that there's some wonky supernatural stuff in Trek, and that I'm for, gonna say the that, Force is probably not a good example. I'm going to say the Force is not a good example because in Star Trek, there's godlike beings that can do anything. Right. There's a Q. Q. There's a Q. Right. But but Q isn't actually a godlike being. He's actually infected with microscopic organisms called midi chlorians. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the. The truth is, that's Star Trek. That is Star Midi-chlorians Trek. Midi-chlorians <laughs> being the Force. Yeah, actually, that's, that's very true. George yeah. Lucas broke character agency by putting oh. midi-chlorians in Star Wars. Yep. Gene Roddenberry, like, possessed them for five yeah. minutes. So, okay, so here's an, a great example of, of a limit of setting, okay? Uh, the original Gene Roddenberry idea behind uh, aliens in Star Trek is that they would, that they would all be um they would all be humanoid and that you would be able to see their eyes that was just a, a thing because he wanted to build a moat now you might say well, well what about the the rock monster whatever. you know that spock mind melds with in the mine or whatever and okay whatever i'm i'm not saying that right everybody breaks their own rules sometimes sure. but uh but i think though that that if you go on that idea then there are a lot of alien races in Star Wars that could not exist in Star Trek for that reason. Right. So you could not create an alien race in Star Trek that had that was so uh, malformed and alien that they did not have eyes and mouths and, and be a little bit humanoid in shape. That the characters were going to interact with in right. a meaningful way. Right. Now, I, I think that that's come to change over the years. Well, they certainly in, break those rules, too. I mean, there's right. intelligent uh, colors of blue and what have you that they encounter. <laughs> but... Yes. But by and large, if you're running a game like that, there's certain sorts of things you're going to encounter in the setting. And uh, 
you really don't want to step outside of them because suddenly you're not playing that game anymore. You're playing something else. If you're in the Forgotten Realms, you're not going to be able to roll up stats for a, for a spaceship. Right, because that's not that game. Right. Right now there's somebody out there going, well, What about Spelljammer? Spelljammer. <laughs> what about Spelljammer? <laughs> I think that people know what we're, we're getting at. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is while I, my player is driving my character, that character has to exist in the world that we've all agreed upon. That's right. There are 11 races in Pathfinder, and at some point you've got to pick one. You've got to pick one of those. You can't be no race. Right. You have to play something, right. and it has to fit within the setting and the agreed upon rules that you're following at the table. Right. So another part of that is we talked about, like, what does it mean to actually have agency? Like, you have to be able to affect the, the narrative or the story. You have to be able to make changes, even if the, that change is failure. So what, what's some examples of that, well, do you feel like? This is one of the spots where we start to disagree. Yes, because I know you believe you have to be able to perceive You that. have to. It is more important that the players believe they can affect the narrative than they actually do. Okay, I'm gonna and and this is I'm this leads towards the railroading thing we'll yes. get to next. So I don't want to talk a lot about it, but I want to just broach it. But so. I, what I want to say is, you're right in that that belief is more important than the actuality. But I'm gonna say, without the actuality being there most of the time, then the belief will eventually be hollow, and they'll know. Eventually, they're gonna have that night where they go, "Wait a, Wait second. a minute, like none of this did. mattered." Right? <laughs> yeah. Carrie runs games like that all the time, and she's going to tell us about them now. What? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> What's a way that you feel like that you allowed people to affect your narrative in a strong way? Um, I try as a uh, as a storyteller, as a game runner, as a legendary one, <clears throat> as a legendary one, <laughs> um, to have more than one option and Always be have a, multiple options. Yeah, like, and by that I mean in my head. Yes. At our storyteller means we do this all the time. Okay, what do they do? What do we do if they don't go through the door? Then right. Well, we okay, have to plan then we a little bit. Yes. We plan a little bit for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just by, just by already having options within your head. Yeah. There's also when you present them with time to make your choice and they go completely left field and give you a better choice. You always take it. You always take it. That's right. And you act like that's what oh yeah, that's what I had planned for all along. Like when they when they solve the mystery oh. and and the the person they pin it on is actually a better fit than the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, and then you're like, Oh, they you, they you know misses, what? they that's were the bad player guy. Player agency, not character agency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the characters were wrong. Yeah. But <laughs> But it makes for a better game. That's yeah, right. the characters guessed wrong, but you've decided that the players had a better idea than you, so yep. you went with it. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Uh huh. So, what about you, Ryan? What's a moment you felt like you've given good, a good moment of characters being able to affect the narrative? You know, I don't let players. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I tell you what. You know what? Give me a good example of. Uh, Allowing players to perceive that they had a choice. That you didn't really give them one. Tell me mm. one time when you were running the train and no one knew it. Well, the last vampire game that we ran. Okay. We decided... Give the away the st- our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> we decided. We decided at the start of that game that we needed to resolve a plot. Yes, we did. And so what I did was... Jessica, whom we talked about uh, earlier, because her character had just died in the werewolf game. Uh, in, in that game... Her character was the only one who had enough information to find the bad guys that we needed them to kill to end the plot. Right. And so I made sure that she had the option to investigate 
certain places that I knew that no matter which place she investigated, I could put a clue at that would lead her right to the zoo where the bad guys were. Right. Absolutely. And, I, and so I would say, in a, in a way, she perceived having choices, and I railroaded her to the zoo. And then when she got to the zoo, their intent was to scout and then leave and go get help and then come back with everybody to roll these guys. But when they got there, you and I, because you helped me run the right. scene, Jason, you and I talked about how, like, you know, we didn't, it was, it did not need to be a mass combat with 30 people. No. The, because the seven of them that had went were more than capable of having a good fight scene. But and, if 30 people were there, no one would have a good time. Right. right. And so what we did was we watched them scout and you had a few things go on to, to try and entice them to fight and they didn't. And then I knew one thing. I knew that Jessica's character protects the innocent. She so put an innocent humans. in the way. And as soon as as soon as it looked like they were about to leave, I had a woman scream. Right. And, and you knew she su- would react to that no matter what. And then suddenly they they went right at it. So So I totally railroaded her. But, but she perceived yes. having choices. Oh, I have heard this scream. I have a choice now. Do I still leave or do I go find who's screaming and protect her? Right? It's the perception of of agency. So your argument is really that if you know your players and if your you know characters, characters really well, yeah. then you can give them choices that they'll tend to want to take. Right. And while that's not... It's a way better way to railroad people. It's not perfect mm-hmm. railroading. It's definitely creating a, a easiest path. It is a guided journey. That's right. Mm. You know what? I Maybe we should go... Carrie had one more story and we'll do that. And then I think we've got... And we'll talk about the bus ride. Then we'll talk about the bus ride. Okay, well, I was just actually going to talk about a time when I was a player. And you had agency? And I completely changed everything. Right. This was like back in like first ed vampire. So this would have been what, like Kenosha or no, Gary? No, this, this was Gary. Gary, this okay. Was, um, but In this, 1964! <laughs> oh, I'm getting older every time you guys tell me. Um, no, Back in the 50s when Vampire was first released. We were playing in a, um, in, in a, in a troop game and you know so it wasn't an org it was just us right it was like a, an independent game that was not connected to anything correct else. sure and it was it was one of those types of games where it was very over the top with the theme and the acting and everyone wore crazy costumes you that know, sounds it, awesome it it was except for it was closed meaning they had to they only invited people to play so you know that's not always bad. It's good and bad. So you, good you and had bad. to be invited to be able to play in the game. Right, exactly. And they had the plots all scripted out. I didn't realize. So you went off the rails. So you and perceived I, that you had agency. I had agency, and then apparently I just took that agency. Sure. Um, because there was a, a big scene in the middle, uh, you know, in front of the um, the place where all the vampires were gathering, and I was playing in Anarch, and this NPC that one of the storytellers was playing was the head Anarch of the area, Juggler. Mm-hmm. He shows up, and we end up getting surrounded, and my character had a choice, because they were going to kill Juggler. Yes. There was no way he was going to get out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I looked, I did the math in my head, and I was like, you know, there's just, there's no way. And so I turned on him. Right. And I was actually the first one to fire to kill this character. Right. Or this NPC. 
And the storyteller turned around and went, what? You can't attack this you guy. You can't attack me. You're on his side. Like, he actually said that. You know, and I, it was, wasn't was quite known that I was an anarch. But like, <laughs> he actually said that because he was so shocked that I wasn't doing what they expected me to do. You weren't following their script. Yeah, but except for they didn't give me the script, That's so right. I had no way so of So your knowing. character was doing that to save herself. Yeah. Yeah, because if you had protected him or not fought, they would have. Yeah, like I, it would have outed me. It right. would have outed me, and you know, and I was in a political position uh, with this character, and she thought that having that political position helped the movement was more. more important. Yeah, than this, this is one guy. This is back when you could do that sure. and shuffle around. You can, you um, still can. It's just trickier. It's a lot trickier now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so like, and I always remember that that look on on Sean's face. When he was like, you you can't attack him. What do you mean, you shoot him? <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I shoot him. Did they let you? Like, did you take yeah. him aside and explain your thinking and then well, they let No, you? because there were so many people around, he couldn't He couldn't argue. do it without, He yeah. couldn't really argue with it with me. Except for I, I, got, I got yelled at afterward. <laughs> you know, that's not what your character should have done. And I was like, it's my character, you know. And so I think as a storyteller, you should always be careful saying the words, that's not what your character uh, should yeah. have done. That's almost as bad as people who say, this is what my character would have done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I don't get to dictate any more than you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was very funny. So, like, from then on, I got a little bit more of the script of what was supposed to happen. Uh. Because they, they wanted to make sure I wasn't going to go off the rails. Because they, <laughs> they needed... Well, I mean, we didn't have a lot of... Okay, this is, this is going to sound terrible. We didn't have a lot of female characters oh, in the were. game. And so they needed to make sure that, like, you know, you're staying an anarch because we need a, an, an, an anarch... And a female a, anarch, we need... You know, like, we need there's to a certain amount out. of that being fair because there's <laughs> reasons... For out of game sometimes to go ahead and let go of some of your agency to make sure. the game better. And, and I didn't mind that. For like if, if I know that needs to happen to make the game better, I don't mind. It was just very funny because apparently they they had planned for Juggler to get away and um, he was supposed to die later on in right. the Chronicle. But how would he have and, ever gotten away? There were so I, many people there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think they is... weren't expecting... That many, people. that many to surround him, and I think they thought that I was going to sacrifice my character to let him go. And you're uh, like, maybe no, I'm a I'll sacrifice his character to let me he go. Let me, I'm, a, I'm a vampire. I'm, I'm a bad person. <laughs> it's the only character I've ever played that went sabat. Right? <laughs> you know, maybe if they didn't want him to die, they shouldn't have given him stats. Yeah, maybe. Uh, or they, <laughs> if they're like, this scene's going to run a certain way, you just storyboard it. Now, right. I don't recommend doing that very often. Yeah. So, but, so let's talk about railroading and the bus. Yes. Okay. So uh, this this other podcast, Bone Experience, it's it's really fun. You should listen to them right after you listen to us, or not before. Skip this entire podcast apparently and just go there because. I brought them up a few times. I re-listened <laughs> to their episode today because I knew we were going to be talking about this, and they had some good points. And one of them was, and this is the the very best point they had in the whole episode was, railroading is bad because it means you have no choice. Right. In or out of game, what's going to happen? Because once you've decided to join the game, that's the last important choice you're going to make. Right. But what they did say is sometimes you can sell bus tickets. Like, hey, there's this cool thing you might want to do later. It's going to happen in this location. Or there's this cool NPC you're going to want to talk to. Uh, it's going to happen over here. And sometimes you tell them in-game and sometimes you tell them out-of-game. I like and that. And it gives them a choice. Hey, there's this fun thing to do. I've created this set piece. And you can go to it. And it's over here. 
here's your ticket. But you don't have to take it. You can decide to do something else. Right. And sometimes those things don't happen because the player's like, look, we really want to go do this other thing. Yeah. In or out of game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like w- with what I did with Jessica. Yeah. She I, handed, say, I handed her the zoo ticket. And she could have just said, okay, and never went. Or she could have said, hey, this isn't for my character. I'm going to go give this ticket to somebody else. Yep. And that lets her make decisions. And because you understand, once I get on this ride, I'm going to have to give up a little agency to get where we're going. Right. Because it's not going to stop until it gets there. It's not going to stop until we get there. And then there's more decisions waiting. Sure. Well, and you know, um, you had – I'm going to bring up something you said off the air. Sure. You had said a few minutes ago this idea that uh, part of being able to effectively railroad without players realizing they're being railroaded is being charismatic. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? And that's that's my skill. Right. You have to be (laughs) able to give people options that – will make sense of their character if you want if you need them to pick one or the other for like like we're we're ending our game in what two more games yes. right so this was our third to the last game mm-hmm. and we want to resolve a plot every game basically right. and At then least, the last yeah. one resolves the last big plot in the game so in this one we wanted we needed to resolve something to give people closure so i gave her a screaming woman right so you gave her exactly <laughs> you gave her the exact options she needed to get what we wanted which right. was closure for this plot which hopefully is good for the whole game. Yeah. And also what she needs is the opportunity to rescue somebody because that is what leads her character to the next thing. And that's kind of what they talk about in that is you offer them something they want. Right. And you say, this is the bus ticket. And in exchange, you get this over here. Hey, there's this mountain and at the bottom of it, there's this holy sword. If you're your paladin, I'm, I'm just saying, there's, I'm just saying <laughs> that you've, you've read this text about a holy sword in the bottom of this mountain. And right. maybe they don't go tomorrow, but you still have that dungeon written up. It's still over right. here. And whenever yeah. they get ready, you've told them where it is. And you know what? That also falls back into things we've talked about many times in the past is if you show your players that you know their characters, that you care. Yes. And you put a little, you know, a screaming woman because you know that, you know, like yeah. right. pl- players eat that up. They want you, that. You, like, you know my character well enough to know that if someone tells me to do something, I will do the exact opposite. So I give you the opposite. So opposites. I give you the opposite of what I need you to do. It and is then, that thing that I always say. Like, she trusted me to know what was on her sheet or mm-hmm. what her character yes. would do. And when I gave it to her, she then knew she could trust me because trust enables risk. And right. she could risk herself, her character, to go after this thing. And even if mm-hmm. she died in that, she knew that it would be fun because she was trying to save a helpless person. She was following her character. She was doing yes. She's just playing her character. Just, just playing her character. character. <laughs> you know, and I want to say there's another side but of that's this. The, the best thing, though, is when character agency and player agency align. Yes. Absolutely. Then it's totally great for a character. Then it's agency. an eclipse of... <laughs> Everything goes dark. <laughs> but I'd like to say there's another side of this, that as a player, if a, if your ST offers you this bus ticket, if they say, hey, this trip is coming here, trust them. Give it a shot. If it's not fun, you've wasted one evening. Right. And But I will also say this. The other whole side of this is if you're the storyteller, you better know their sheet. Right. You need to know the things that they are about. Yeah. Because you can't offer them a ticket if you don't know where they like going. Yeah. 
Because because you know what? Those bus tickets, they'll only take a bus ticket to nowhere one time. That's right. <laughs> you only get to lose their trust once. That's right. And it's going to be really, really hard to get it back. Yeah. Or if they go somewhere and they're like, no, my character hates this stuff. I hate this stuff or I would have made a character that did it and I didn't for a reason. Right. Yeah. So what else about player agency do you want to talk about? Talk about. Okay. Talk about. Talk about. Talk about. And talk I think about. this ties into the story that you were telling about uh, offering the bus ticket, putting people on the railroad, is that... We sometimes have to give room for the storytellers to tell a story. Right. And I don't mean as in like I'm dictating your character's actions or I'm telling you how you feel or I'm in control of everything like a giant puppet master. What I really mean is, okay, how do your characters know each other? And then I kind of tie it all together. Or I say, hey, guys, there's going to be a big combat tonight. So there's some things – you're going to get some hints – Please follow them early because we have a limited amount of time. Right. I think um, I think the other another piece to that is this idea that you know we've I believe that that storytellers are playing the game by playing the universe. Yes, right? absolutely. In the same way that players are playing the game by playing the character. Yes. yes. Okay. And so, if you want your storyteller to have fun, you have to also give them the tools. You have to enable your storyteller to tell a story. Right. You know, you're they're, sure they're your dungeon master, but you have to let them have the dungeon for them to master it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, I like to talk about this, and oddly enough, in the terms of uh, of computer role playing games, because there's two that I've played. One of them forever, and one I played very recently. Oregon uh, Trail. No, Oregon Trail is on a rail, though. It is a railroad. It is a railroad, <laughs> and you do die, uh, and you do die. Uh, and you do get surprisingly emotionally attached to your characters, right? <laughs> but really, I want to talk about Skyrim and this game called Sinua's Sacrifice that I played recently. In Skyrim, you have a ton of agency. You can go anywhere you want. You can explore this gigantic world, and there are some really cool moments out there. But by and large, you just kind of feel like you're living in a place, and, and I, I don't want to say that it's not amazing, because it is. I love those kind of games. But you're very rarely, when you're playing the main story, blown away by it. It doesn't have the emotional impact because you've got so many choices and options that they can't craft a perfect narrative for you. Sure. Right. Because there's too many choices. They're, it dilutes it. Their brushstrokes have to still be a little broad. They have to be very broad, and which means that broad brushstrokes means no fine detail. No, It's difficult to craft perfect moments. Sure. Sinuous Sacrifice, you're basically on a railroad the whole game. Uh, You're playing through, you have a few choices here and there, but most of the game is go to this place, fight some bad guys, solve a puzzle, move to the next place. Most of the choices that you feel like you're making are not real choices. It's either do you do the door on the left first or you do the door on the right first. You're going to do both doors. You've got no choice. And the whole game is set up to make it feel like whichever door you did first feels like it should have been the first door because the way they've written the narration. Do you know what my least favorite choice in a video game ever is? What? Is when you're in a cutscene and it lets your character choose the response. But and the guy matter. will go and the guy will go so like the NPC in the cutscene will say like this is your mission. Do you choose to accept? And then your choices are yes or no. And so you pick no and it goes, "Are you sure?" Yes or no. <laughs> or and then it, you click no and it says, think about it. <laughs> yes or no. And it just keeps doing that. And it's just yes. the illusion of a choice. 
right? It's not a real choice. It's not even a bus ticket. It's like a rented bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they put you in a wagon and just push. And you're paying for it. You've had to rent it. Well, you know, and that's one of the things that Senua's Sacrifice never does. You don't have dialogue options ever. And so everything that's happening, most of the game is things happening to your character. And there's every cinematic moment is a moment when you don't, it's not a cutscene, but you don't have direct control. Like, you'll be doing something, and then suddenly your character will speak. Right. And what I found was, is that because the story is capable of being very tight, and they could set up, they could build up to moments throughout the whole game, you had these amazing emotional impacts. It's a more effective story. It's a more effective story. Now... Is that a funner play experience? Which one do I want to play? I'm going to play... I mean, I want to play both. If I had to choose forever, you know, I might choose Skyrim because I love having these huge options and I can go wherever I want, but I'm going to miss out on a game that I literally literally cried when it ended, you know? And that's just not something you're going to get unless you're willing to give up some agency, usually. Right. Now, I'm not saying it never happens, and some player-created moments are very intense. Mm-hmm. But usually it requires the storyteller to add elements that build up to something like that. Yes. That's, I'm sorry that I gave a 15-minute lecture, but it's something I think about a lot, is the difference between <laughs> how do you create situations where characters have meaningful choices, but also those choices have emotional impact. Not just narrative impact, I think that's important, but emotional impact on the person and, and the character and this is, is even more important. And this is why, ultimately, I kind of believe... That player agency is ultimately a lie. I, I I think that player agency is actually a construct that is based on the perception that the player has. And because at the end of the day, if I'm running, if I'm the storyteller and I'm running a story, and the story is going to end when you kill the evil lich, ultimately doesn't matter what choices you take and how long it takes you to get there and how many game sessions we play. Eventually eventually we're going to run you in that dungeon where you're killing that lich. What if I decide to befriend him? And then we... It kills you. No! I had no agency! I knew it! Unless, (laughs) unless the thing that you chose was better than what I had written. (laughs) What if I roll a 20 on my seduce roll? Doesn't matter. No, it's not that type of game. (laughs) And I didn't stab him. Oh, no! (laughs) Okay, so I, I think that always going in that direction can be very problematic. You have to be good for it to work at all. Right. And it uh, eliminates the possibility of emergent play unless you personally decide to let it happen. Nothing is happening that you haven't personally dictated because you haven't created a sandbox that they play in. You've created a story. It's got a lot of past, but it's like those old choose-your-adventure books where it felt like you had 100 choices, but really you only had about five. Right. And there's only, you know, like there's only five endings, even though you're flipping all over that well, book. Well, there's only five successful endings. Oh, no. there's Well, there's not that many endings, really, because most of them lead to the same page where it says you're dead. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's only like five different ways to die, and then maybe a sixth one or a seventh one where you succeed. But, but you, you had a hundred choices. But when you were six, you perceived that to be endless. Until one day I sat down and I diagrammed the entire book out. Because uh-huh. <laughs> we all did. We all did. Did that you do thing. that too? Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> did you, you do start... that, Ryan? Did you diagram a choose your own adventure book? No, because I value magic and wonder. 
I can't. I have to. Oh, I have wow. to see behind the curtain. I, I. It's. It's part of who I am. Yeah. I love magic tricks, but I look them up. For the record, I don't feel so strongly about player agency being a lie that like I feel like it's worth getting into a huge argument over. Like oh, I. I'm that's my actually. Though. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated. More. I am more fascinated by the theory being that it's a lie. I think that there. I mean, there. It has. Because you merit. can argue it. You it has merits. The argument does. Ultimately, I, if I am the if I am the storyteller, I'm giving you choices that eventually will lead to where I want you to go. And so it's it's about you perceiving that as total free agency. And maybe that's it. Maybe if we were to really dig down on the the premise that that player agency is a lie, maybe it would be something more like. 100% player Complete agency. Complete player. agency is definitely a lie. We've already agreed well, and that, that I, we're giving up agency just to sit down yeah. at a table. So, But like I said, I don't feel so strongly about it that I think that... I mean, I didn't even bring it up really on Drew's, on Drew's thread. I, I, mean, would, I would like to say that part of your belief is because we tend to run a specific kind of game. And rather it's... Uh, uh, I, I don't know about Carrie's Mushes because I haven't played in one yet. That's, that's for our premium podcast (laughs) but uh whether you're running a tabletop game or you're running a larp you run a specific kind and for the most part all three of us do i'm the curmudgeon i kind of lean towards older school right sort of but it's not just that it's we run a certain kind of game when we're in which we have a story to tell and uh while we're not dictating the actions of the players we definitely have something to say right but there are a lot of other kinds of larps out there and, and tabletop games in which that's not true at all. You're not telling your, uh, you're creating a sandbox for them to tell a story to you in. Right. Like these big festival LARPs out in Europe, uh, like Drakenfest, I've mentioned it before. They've got a setting and they've got a system and they've got things that will happen if you do them. And for the most part, you choose the experience that you want to have. Now, like there's rules, like you can die, but it doesn't last forever. Uh, you can steal things that, you know, not, not player belongings, but like the, the MacGuffins that everybody's fighting for. And they've created this system in which, yes, you're definitely giving up agency because if you're here, you're fighting for these MacGuffins, these but dragon if eggs. If I've created the MacGuffin, then ultimately I've created your perception of having the choice to steal it. Yes, you've created the I, choice. I, I just, it's fascinating. Yes, I, I know what you're I'm saying. Not, you've created all the choices. I think it's a little bit But they're not all going to the same place. But they are all going to a place that I ultimately decide. What we need to really talk about is the thing that we started the episode with, which is safety. Right. And, you know, we've, we've hit it a lot, but I think we need to close and say, your agency is never more important than the people at the table. Correct. You have freedom of speech until you are in a theater and decide that you are going to exercise that by standing up and yelling fire. Absolutely. You know, and you can... This can mean anything to any table. I mean, we could be at a table or at a game in which uh, we're not allowed to talk about the color purple. And I don't even necessarily have the to movie? know. The movie? Maybe. It's very sad. Maybe. I don't even have to know why. I just have to know that it upsets people here. And so we can't talk about it. And, and I'm going to give up my character agency and my player agency to agree to that. I'm going to say, okay, that's off the table. We're not doing it. And it could be certain tables want to explore really dark topics, and that's great if they're into that. And but everybody at the table has to be into it. Everybody has to be in that, and they have to agree, and they have to 
continue to agree because you never know where your line is until you've crossed it. Yeah. No. Sometimes I know. No. I know where it no. is here, <laughs> but I didn't know it was I over have, here too. I have a right to pr- play your agency and I will give you my player agency when you pry it from my character's <laughs> cold, dead hands. You know, and, you know, and we've said that I raise my sword. Then you die. Arby's dying. The best part is that Ryan played Karsh the first time we had Karsh in the game. That's true. It is true. And, you know, know, he could have raised the city. But instead. But instead he just, you know what? And I think that was a great moment where we gave characters agency because they chose to do something that was very dangerous. And we could have killed them. And we decided to make it interesting instead. Well, what we really decided was that the most interesting outcome was to just sit there with Karsh and remind them. That I could level the city. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that comes back to the discussion that we had on the Facebook page is that, um, yes, it does. It would violate the character's agency to ignore when Karsh stabs you. Yes. But it would not violate the character's agency to kill the character when he starts stabs Karsh. So ultimately, anyway, ultimately, I think we more or less agree with the one change with by making one little change and to to Drew's thesis, which is uh, that player agency then is the perceived ability to attempt any action from a set of agreed upon actions where those actions are informed by things like mechanics and genre. And we're going to... Let's go to game rap. Please. Game rap. (laughs) All right. Welcome to game rap. You've been listening to the Honor Roll Podcast, the uh, bestest podcastest that you've been listening to. We appreciate you exercising your agency by listening today. Mm. And we'd appreciate your agency even more if you would find somebody in Ohio or Idaho. Or Idaho. Find somebody anywhere. Make the person sitting next to you at on the bus or train or in the car listen to this podcast. Or just sit at a restaurant and say the words, werewolf LARP, really loud. <laughs> and, and then you'll have your own Kyle show that's up. Right. That's right. Everyone should have their own Kyle. It's not the first time we've gained a player like that. That's true. <laughs> so we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you find your iTunes. We're on Twitter at honorrollpodcast. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. You can email us at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com and of course uh, Carrie would love it if you would help keep us on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast so let's go ahead and give out experience points Uh, Jason you get 5 XP for uh, showing up okay I'm writing that down I think you should and then you get 1 XP for endlessly arguing right you sound like my teachers and the people I work with. <laughs> and your wife. And my wife. There you go. Uh, and that's all you get. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Carrie, you get 10 XP for attendance because uh, you are a girl and I value girls attending. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, females are rare in, in the gaming community and so I really want Yeah, you, you want to know why we're rare? <laughs> I want you to feel like, Too many like appreciated. Oh my gosh. Uh, you also get 5 XP because you talked more tonight than you have on any episode yet. Well, That's to be not fair, we we've started trying to anytime she looks like she's going to say something instead of stopping her and saying something ourselves. You guys are actually giving me space, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard. You know, it's one of those things that you you read about 
and then when you actually like sit down and listen to our podcast and you're like, oh shit, we didn't like Carrie say anything, yeah. did we? No. Oh. Mm. Uh. <sighs> Carrie, you also get uh, <laughs> what? You get you also get 10 XP um, just because I don't want to sleep on the couch. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So um, there you go. All right. Join us next week when, when our, we continue uh, that conversation. Oh, no. Join us next week when our topic is Jason. Let me finish a complete sentence. No, <laughs> never. Welcome to being the new Carrie. That's uh, right. Hey, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, and one last time. Be sure to check out Carrie's Kickstarter. She's on Kickstarter.com, and you can look up colorful tales of dreadful dolls. Uh, we'd love for you to buy one of her adult coloring books that is not adult as in triple X. That is just that's the next as an eighteen book. and up. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say mature, and then like, oh wait, not that either. Uh, <laughs> all right, until next time. Remember, the only way to win a role playing game is to have fun. Ha- wait, wait, before you stop recording, you didn't tell us what next week's episode is going to be. I need to prepare. I did. You just you don't even listen to the listen. podcast. What did you say? What you did don't you listen say? to the podcast after we record it or while we record. It. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I'm talking, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> All the thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else. All of the music was courtesy of Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Oh, hey, oh, 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 oh,